0: 5, 5 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1. We
1: have ignition. Strap in. Welcome to
2: the house. I'm working. I'm working. It's Brian Tarvin, Tarvin
1: and, and Weigh-In Sports, Sports Talk! Sports Talk, football, NFL, NBA, Major League, Major League, Major League
2: Baseball, baseball. U.K. Away.
1: Away. Now everybody, everybody let me introduce you to you. the host
0: of in Sports Talk, Talk, Brian Tarvin! Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Wayne Sports Talk, I'm your host Brian Tarvin. Today is Sunday, October 16th, halfway through October. Seven weeks under our belt in college football. A lot to discuss tonight. Also, we're going to be discussing the NFL, the Major League Baseball playoffs. So what a wild weekend in college football. Nothing too crazy, I guess. I mean, it was, there were some good games, but there were some questions answered that I needed to see. And I think football from here on out is going to be – unbelievable. Let me mute my television while I'm doing my radio show. That would be a smart thing to do. Right now with the Red Zone Channel, Kansas City 26-10 to 10 over Oakland. Atlanta tied it up 17 all against Seattle. So the Carolina Panthers suck again. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about that Alabama Tennessee game. But Johnson, I don't know about you, but you know, there's no question to me who the number one team is right now in college football. We can talk two, three, four, five, six. We can debate. But when it comes to number one, I think Alabama proved it last night that they're in a class of their own by themselves. Uh, That's a great full four-quarter game Alabama played. Special teams involved, defense and offense. It's going to be tough to beat them, man. They look good.
2: Yeah, I mean, as you... Yeah, um, you know, Alabama looks really, really, really good. I mean, really, really, really good. There's no doubt about that. They're obviously going to be a tough team to beat. Um, just like with pretty much any team this year, they're not perfect. Uh, but, you know, from what I've seen, this is this might be the best team top to bottom out of all the teams in the land. And, and you know, it, it's a weird year in college football where, there's really only seven teams maybe that were, impre- you know, where we're like, okay, those are, you know, legitimate good teams. Those are title contenders. Whereas in most years we hit this point and we're like, oh, well, you, there's this team and that team, and the number tends to hit double digits. Uh, so it, it's it's definitely uh, something to see when you have Alabama, who completely whacks Tennessee, who to me was a second-tier team um, and, I mean, it was like Tennessee was Kentucky.
0: And let's, let's not forget that, that Tennessee miss, was missing a ton, a ton of talent. And I'm not saying Tennessee would have won the game had they been fully fully staffed. But I don't want people to, to all of a sudden assume Alabama's going to the championship and winning it. That's That's not what college football has taught me over the past 30 years of watching. the identities are starting to change now starting week seven I think now for the next or is it six I guess this is week seven everybody gets a bye week but you know like Auburn four and two right now we're going to start seeing who they really are this next six games are you built for a 12 game season or are you not And Alabama just because they're hot right now doesn't mean one offensive line injury one quarterback injury away from from being a different team and they look the best right now. But how many teams have you seen look the best team in week six or seven, Jonathan, and then up at the end of the season not up there? They get knocked off somewhere along the line. And it's, it's not just the best team who makes that final four. You have to be lucky, too. So, so far, Alabama's avoided that injury bug. But going on the road at LSU, they play Texas a this weekend, the Iron Bowl at the end of the season. Nothing's a given right now. And even again, they may be playing Tennessee again, with a full-strength Tennessee squad in the SEC championship, I still believe they'll make it. I don't think Florida's going to make it, and we'll talk about that, too, in a little while. But, you know, Ohio State was, was one loss away last, one couple of plays away from being out of the playoffs. You know, it's just so close. Clemson, look what they did going into overtime. So nothing's a foregone conclusion, Jonathan. When you start getting into the – this part of the season where everybody's playing injured at this point, there's no healthy teams. If you're good,
2: uh, right? I mean, you know, it seems like everybody's banged up. Um, you know, obviously Tennessee has their injuries, um, and they're really like the extreme case for the most part. As far as I mean, Utah and uh, BYU. I mean, it's hard to find two teams more beat up than them as well. But I, I think at this point, there are. Uh, six teams that we're looking at uh, that are probably you know at this point I'd say most likely are going to be playoff teams. Two of them play each other next week. Two of them play each other uh, at the end of uh, November, and then, you know so for your elimination games. And you have uh, one team out west in Washington who I think um, at this point is going to run the table here on out. Their their game at the end of November is going to be something to see, and you have Clemson who I think is going to lose a game. So. Yeah, you know, I, I'm fully convinced that um, we're gonna. You know, there's never gonna be four undefeated teams in the playoffs.
0: I doubt no, there's gonna be I three. I don't think um, Washington makes it all the way through. I don't. I think somebody like Washington State beats them or, or someone. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, it's just like people. People think Washington's great and all, and they do look good right now. But what are they gonna look like a month from now? Because you know as well as I do, starting right here in the middle of October through the rest of the season, it's a grind. I don't care. People say Tennessee's got to cakewalk the rest of the way through. You look at that schedule. But I guarantee you, if they're not careful, they're going to get bitten by somebody in that conference that's lower tier. There, you know, the Kentucky, somebody coming on or somebody like that. If you lose focus for one minute, you can be out of the playoffs. That's how quick it can happen. And I don't think people realize – the parody in college football. Alabama right now, they they look like a team that's going to be, you're going to have to really beat them. But everybody else, even Ohio State, Clemson, they're beatable. They're very beatable. And uh, I just don't think I can put somebody like Washington up there and say it's a foregone conclusion. And one of the reasons is, Jonathan, they, they've never done it before. And until you show me something one time, I'm not going to believe you. <laughs> I mean, they have a long time ago. They were they split national championship with Georgia Tech, but that was forever ago. But uh, hey, I want to ask you a question and tell me if you cheated already in words. But what do you think the Auburn Arkansas line is next weekend? Uh,
2: I haven't looked at any lines yet. Um, I went to look last night, but they weren't up. Obviously. Um, if I had to guess, guess, where's that game being played? Is that in Auburn? Auburn. Uh,
0: I well, would Jonathan, say, say, say Auburn.
2: No, it's a cat. Um, okay. I would
0: say Auburn's <laughs> a four, four-and-a-half point favorite. What if I told you they're nine-and-a-half? What would you say? That line's too damn high. Yeah, it's nine-and-a-half. Vegas knows something we don't. Um, I put the line at three-and-a-half and four as well. And after the win last night, I thought it may come down a little bit. But there's a mismatch somewhere. So when we do our film work this week, Jonathan, I want you to look. I want you to specifically look at this game, and let's show the the viewers here, the listeners, uh, when Vegas makes a line, there's a reason. And a lot of people are going to say, damn, give me Arkansas plus the nine and a half all day long, you know, and it's going to backfire on them. But I want you to find the discrepancy in this game. Where the mismatches are, whether it be film, studying stats, whatever. Uh, Bama, give me, give me the Bama a and m line, Jonathan. We'll see how good you are. Uh, uh, I was, I was two points off. Uh, Bama lands six and a half. Seventeen. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bama is how? a seventeen point favorite over an undefeated A wow well, I just they've been killing people man. They beat, they went into Rocky Top and won by thirty nine last night.
1: Six good Lord
0: Yeah, there's some all right, here's another one. Let's see. LSU Ole Miss in Baton Rouge, nine o'clock Eastern.
2: I put L S U straight in the Vegas
0: zone at five. Four and a half. You're pretty good, man. Well, you you did miss the Alabama game, but maybe that's something, again, we'll talk about. If if they're six and a half, there's a reason for it in your mind. So we need to find out, you know, we'll do what we do, our previews this week when we we do it. i just like to do the point spreads early before we start our review of the week. Give me the Wisconsin-At-Iowa game, noon kickoff.
2: Uh, I mean, Wisconsin should be laying about five.
0: Three and a half. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but when I saw 17 for Bama, I mean that's that's a Bama versus Arkansas in Tuscaloosa, or Mississippi State line. That's not Alabama playing an undefeated Texas A&M team. 17. I mean, hell, the Iron Bowl may be 40. What we get there if they, if they keep scoring like this? But but the nine and a half for Auburn. Does that really surprise you, or or does that is that something that, you know, when I look at that game, when I look at it, I know Arkansas struggles on defense. I do know that. I do know Auburn is, is uh, very good against the run. They play pretty good defense. But I think the kicker here is there are three out of the last four games, Arkansas played Texas A&M on the neutral side. Uh, they played Bama. They played at Ole Miss. And now they play Auburn on the road at night. Auburn's com- coming off a couple, three good wins in a row. And they have a bye week. So I think that's probably why the line don't don't be surprised if it creeps up to ten and a half. It started at nine, and it's up to nine and a half now, but they just know something. So we'll we'll come back to this Wednesday night or whenever we do our show. But Jonathan, go back and study that Texas A&M <laughs> and Alabama spread because man, that's a that's a big spread. That is that is huge. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, let me tell you this. We'll start Friday night. Uh, first of all, Mississippi State got screwed against BYU by the officials. But that Louisville game against Duke—I mean, how obvious was it the ACC officials were making sure Louisville didn't lose that game? I mean, that was terrible the way Duke got screwed by the officiate by the officials in that game. They won the game, yeah, but, but r- roughing the kicker, really, Jonathan? Really? Ruffing is that not a five yard penalty for what happened? It looks like he got pushed into the guy his own or the the uh offensive line pushed him in there to the kicker so
2: you're yeah, a I think, penalty. yeah that that call came straight from greensboro uh, a c c headquarters for those that don't know uh i that that was a ter- that was a terrible call uh you know Louisville solidly outplayed Duke for most the night. I mean, before that last drive, uh, Louisville had 400 yards to offense, the Dukes like 230. Um, they were out there beating them on the ground. They were beating them through the air. Louisville was clearly the better team. Just couldn't finish drives off. Uh, and then you have that play where I'm not saying Duke's going to go down and kick the field goal and tie the game, or they're going to go down and score. But the fact that you took the opportunity away from them, eats sat me. Because Duke earned the right to be on that field and to have that shot. Uh, That kid missed the field goal. Um, You're right. The uh, guy uh, for Louisville uh, on the outside of the line gave him a one-handed push. The defender hit the ground, rolled once, laid there, and the kicker managed to find him and fall. Mm You know, and it's like every other game that happens, they're not throwing that flag. So that that was a terrible call. Very disappointed.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, I know you. That kind of reminds me of the SEC, the way they do Alabama. It's like oh, all of a sudden now Louisville is this precious commodity. They want to keep those teams up there with one or two. They want to keep Florida State where they are, and Florida State. we'll we'll talk about them too. Don't don't sleep just yet on this team. Um, Clemson, they want to make sure that that something happens and they get a playoff team in. That's all they were doing because if Louisville lost that game, it devalues Clemson. It devalues Florida State. It devalues a lot of things, and they weren't going to let that happen and piss on you, ACC. Um, I don't know if they would have won like you said, but still, they deserve the right to drive the field to see if they could kick a field goal to tie it. That's all I'm going to say. That, that ACC is pretty tough, man, to predict. We had North Carolina go into Miami and went twenty to thirteen. Virginia Tech went on the road to Syracuse, and you know how you talk about Syracuse on the road playing there, thirty-one to seventeen. The ACC is a mess. On, on one side, on the other side, is really not. You have three clear-cut contenders: Louisville, Florida State, and Clemson. But the what is it? The Coastal Division. Which one's the, the worst yeah. one? Is that the Coastal? It's just wide open, man. It's wide open.
2: At the beginning of the year, I actually, the way my numbers came out, I had a four-way tie for first place with North Carolina, Virginia (laughs) Tech, Miami, and Pittsburgh. And I looked at that and said, okay, this is probably going to happen. I'm going to give it to North Carolina. And moved on. Uh, But, you know, I mean, it's a very, very competitive division of Miami, Lost FSU, gets North Carolina at home, loses. And, and this is a pattern. After they play, after they lose to Florida State, because it's been seven years in a row now. The previous six years, they lose to Florida State, and their season completely falls off the rails. Uh, for North Carolina, didn't look great, but obviously the offense looked better. Proved that when they're not playing in the middle of a hurricane, they can actually move the ball. Uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, it's always tough going up. Uh, to Syracuse, because uh, it it's a dome, not too many domes in the college level. Um, it was a bad loss for Virginia Tech. They they came back and got in this game, uh, but after Syracuse scored to go up 24-17, it, it fell over. And then you had Pittsburgh, who had a really good win yesterday. And, it you know, we have uh, Miami at Virginia Tech on Thursday, so it's kind of going to essentially decide the, the Coastal. Um, a lot of people are counting out Pitt. I'm kind of counting out Pitt, but they still have a shot as well. Like, this race isn't over. It's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, it is fun. It's college football. And you know what? Only four teams can make a playoff. We just got to, we have to deal with that. You're a Florida State fan. I think you're coming to the reality this year. You're not going to make it. I'm coming to the reality. of My team, Auburn, they're probably not going to make it unless a miracle happens. But it's still college football, and it's still fun no matter what. You just have to be a fan and watch college football if you're a fan of the game jonathan it's good to be a fan of the game and not just one team you know i mean it's good to follow you have your team but it's also good to be a fan of the sport and this uh great product college football has out there right now and i guarantee you we could sit here right now both of us try to pick who's going to win the championship we're, we're both going to be wrong that's how mm-hmm. unpredictable it is and last night ohio state went on the road to to Madison and oh man, what a game in overtime! It's Urban Meyer and never lost a road game at Ohio State. I mean, this is a young Ohio State team growing up in front of our eyes, and that's a tough place to play at night. They get out of there like 30.3 you're not going to hear them complain about it being an overtime game or a close game. I'm not penalizing them really for it, but I think a young team is growing up in front of our eyes, Jonathan. Ohio State, I don't think Michigan has the kind of uh, the star power to beat an Ohio State team right there. I just don't think they have enough five stars on that team just yet. I still think Ohio State's the top of that class. What do you think? That was a big win last night, and I don't, I don't think anybody has a chance to beat them unless they beat themselves the rest of the season until Michigan.
2: I mean, I like Michigan a lot this year. That defense is, is, is awesome. Offensively, they have an identity. Uh, We're going to run the ball down your throat, and it's funny because they might have one of the best receiving corps, if not the best receiving corps in the nation, uh, with Cheston Darbo and uh, Jake Butt. Uh, But going going with Ohio State, I learned more. I learned Wisconsin's a damn good team last night. That's what I learned. Wisconsin's a damn good team with an offense that makes you want to punch your temple uh, with just how pitiful they can be at times. Um, the fact that Wisconsin still can't really recruit a game-changing quarterback, some things never change. Uh, but that kid did enough last night, you know, freshman. And he did enough last night to put them in the right position. Uh, depressingly enough, once this game went to overtime, it was just like the Clemson-North Carolina State game. You go, yeah, uh, favorite just won this one. Uh, but Ohio State took the punches. They're, not, they're a very athletic bunch. They have a lot of speed. J.T. Barrett, though, take him out of Heisman consideration. Take him out of the first round in your mock draft. J.T. Barrett has issues as a passer. Uh, And I I think that there's a legitimate problem uh, with Ohio State that if they play a team that forces him to throw the ball, they will lose.
0: And that's somebody like Michigan that could do that. Michigan can shut down the running game and force you to pass, and that's going to be – where's that game being played at the end of the year? Do you remember – I think it's in in Ohio State, right? Yeah, it's in the – uh, it's in the uh, the horseshoe. That's going to be tough, see, but, but, I mean, this is a rival game, though. It doesn't really matter. I mean, sometimes where it's played, it doesn't matter. It's not like it's a new, new venue to you, but uh, Wisconsin, I think you're right. They're a very good football team. That LSU loss early in the season doesn't look as bad now. LSU lost to Auburn, and here they are rolling now. Um, LSU, Jonathan, hosts Ole Miss this weekend. I mean, can it Ed Orgeron, my question to you, can he somehow keep the job? I say no. That's my first answer is no. What can he do to keep the job at LSU for next year? This team right now can, if they beat Ole Miss, they host Alabama, they still got to play Texas A&M. If they went out, they're going to the SEC championship for you know, for all that matter. I mean, unless Auburn wins out, too. But LSU has a lot to play for right now, and that loss to Wisconsin and Auburn uh, both away from home, not looking as bad as it did a couple weeks ago. So where is LSU in your mind? I mean, they started out slow last night, blew Southern Miss out of the water. Can Big Ed, the dumbest coach in the world, the water boy, uh, Coach Farmer Fran, can he keep his job at LSU?
2: I mean, I love Coach oh, no. O. Um, I, I've, I've been from day one saying that they need to go ahead and just give him the the, the permanent position and let's move on. Um, you know, if LSU wins out, I'd be hard pressed to say that they're not going to keep him. Because if, if Coach O, if LSU wins out with Coach O at the helm and they don't bring him back, playoff. that fan base, yeah, and, and that fan base will revolt. Like they, they, there will be riots and the athletic director would be chased out of town. No doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I think there's a pot, you know, a, a possibility if they lose a game or two, but they beat LSU. I mean, they beat Alabama. I think he can get the job. Cause the whole reason, you know, that people kept, kept wanting less on. And, and you noticed it every time they lost the Bama, people were like, okay, time to fire less. All right. Time to fire less. Okay. You know, cause I mean, they have not beaten Bama since that 2011 9-6 game. So if okay, if LSU beat Alabama this year, uh, which I mean is a possibility, they have they get the game at home. You know, it's going to be a night game. It's going to be ruckus. Um, I think that that's enough to give him the job. I mean, they get they get A and M, who has never beaten them uh, in conference. Uh, you get Ole Miss, who I think at this point LSU is a better team than. Him. So there's a distinct possibility that this team can run the table. And to be honest, I'd love to see it.
0: Yeah. If a guy runs the table, it means he won the SEC. And he's probably in the playoff because again, uh, you're SEC champion, but it shows really how much did LSU or did Les Miles really handicap this team? Like I think he kept a lot of coaches back from really doing what they wanted to do. You hire great coaches to coach. You're the head coach. You let them do their job. And it, it kind of reminds me of Malzahn. He was all over his fingerprints everywhere he'd let go and then look at Auburn, how they're playing now. But Les Miles gets fired, and this team looks actually like a bunch of five-stars out there again. So, yeah, if he, I say no anyway because I think they're wanting a big name and I think bigger than Ed Orgeron. But if he beats Alabama, then you can't really – if he wins out, wins out, that'll be another – let me think about that even more. You, you've almost well. convinced me.
1: Well,
0: and
2: think about this. I mean, so the problem with LSU has always been we don't have an offense. The offense is terrible, right? Under Orgeron, they scored 42 and 45 without Leonard Fournette. I I mean, if (laughs) y'all want offense offense, Coach O. gave you an offense. What he what he did was install because they they talked about it. He's essentially installed the same offense he ran at LSU when he was the head coach there. It was just the SEC. What what? The, A Ole Miss
1: was
2: Yeah, Ole Miss wasn't good uh, back then. B. Uh, he was installing that USC offense that he had learned under Pete Carroll at Ole Miss, right? Well, the SEC was still a bunch of big bruises and grinders. You couldn't really run it. Now you can So, honestly, I mean, LSU would be foolish to not look at Orgeron because look at USC. Orgeron has been through a lot with USC. He was there for national titles. I mean, Pete Carroll brought him in. He was there under Lane Kiffin, and USC bypassed him. Uh, you know, which obviously looks like it might have been a mistake now, and now you have LSU with this great opportunity, you might as well give him a three-year run. You might as well, A, you know he's going to recruit well, B, he's a good coach. Just because of what happened at Ole Miss a decade ago does not define the man now.
0: Well, I mean, they're putting up videos, board numbers without the bet one of the best players in college football. So now lsu's gonna I think they're getting Fournette back for Ole Miss. I could be wrong. Um a healthy Fournette at night against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is season Jonathan and I want to get to that game now. Arkansas, you know I watched Ole Miss in Arkansas last night. Don't know if you did, but when I watch Ole Miss play, it just they have talent but they're they're just the most undisciplined team. They can't run the football. They, Chad Kelly makes some piss-poor decisions at times. Sometimes he makes great decisions. But it's just like a team that has no control or leadership on it. It's what Ole Miss is. They have the talent. You saw what they did to Florida State until y'all came back. You saw them up 24-3 to on Bama. I mean, they were up last night in that game and, and ended up choking them away if LSU beats Ole Miss Saturday night and LSU with four, or Ole Miss with four losses, Jonathan, I think Ole Miss is done. They may be done right now. I don't know how Hugh Freeze motivates his team to play with three losses. What do you think about Ole Miss right now and their chances the rest of the season?
1: Yeah, I, I did a little write-up on a page about a bunch
2: of the games, and I went back and dug a little deeper into this one. Hey, uh, Hugh Freeze is not a good coach. I, I said it. Fight me. I mean, let, let, let's go. Bring it, anybody who wants to argue that, bring it on. And what I'm going to tell you is, you're wrong. Because the only thing that Arkansas couldn't stop last night was, was the uh, high-speed tempo offense Ole Miss was running, right? Ole Miss did that, what, two drives, got two touchdowns, and did none of it for the rest of the game. Uh, that's bad coaching. Uh, Chad Kelly. You know, it's funny. People talk about how good Chad Kelly is, right? Is he not like your favorite Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jay Cutler or Andy Dalton? A quarterback like that where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to win like 10 games, but when it matters, no. No, he, he's going to shit the bed. I mean, cause the statistics for Chad Kelly, away from Ole Miss, 4-4, four and four, uh, in those games, 10 interceptions, 10 fumbles. He's a turnover machine. Last night he had what? The, the, the interception and the two fumbles. Against Florida State, three interceptions and then a fumble. Against Alabama, two fumbles. I mean, he, he, just, he gets reckless with the football. That is what happens. So, well, Chad Kelly is, uh... is your worst good quarterback that you're going to find.
0: Well, Friday night he was tweeting a porn star trying to get her to FaceTime him. I mean, oh, man. Thank
2: think you, about Tom. it.
0: Yeah, I mean, first she's an idiot. She should block him if she doesn't want to be contacted. But still, this guy's got a road game, and he's up at, what, 2 a.m. trying to trying to get, get some porn star to contact him. I mean, where's his mind right now? I mean, NFL, you have to look at him and say, uh, no, no thank you. You're not a leader in the locker room. I'm sorry, Chad Kelly is not what I thought he would be. And I'm, you know, a couple weeks ago I told you Auburn couldn't beat Ole Miss on the road without Sean White. Maybe I'm changing my mind a little bit, not much, but they there he's different at home. But this is a team that could quit after if LSU beats them Saturday night, which I think they will in Baton Rouge. Do you think? Where does How do you motivate this Ole Miss team even to play LSU right now? I mean, you've already lost three. You lost a heartbreaker to Arkansas. You lose to Florida State. You lose to Alabama. What do you have to play for? You, you know you can't win the SEC now. You know that. Um, is Chip Kelly a good enough, or uh, excuse me, what's his name? Hugh Freeze is he a good enough coach to motivate these guys that are undisciplined anyway to play? Do they have the heart? Do they have the character? To go into LSU and win, do they have the character if they lose to follow up and beat Auburn? I don't know. I really don't think so.
2: No, I no. I mean, if he did, they wouldn't have lost Arkansas last year. Because they, if they uh, if they beat Arkansas last year, they're playing for the SEC title. Where they beat Florida in the rematch, don't care what anybody says, and they're in the playoff over Alabama. No F fans are yep. buts about it. Bama fans kissed my ass on it. Old Miss beat y'all last year, and if they're if they win the SEC, they're in the playoff. And he couldn't get them to be the Arkansas team. That really wasn't that good. I mean, it was fourth and thirty, and this team was so undisciplined they couldn't stop. It. They couldn't stop Arkansas. Arkansas winds up winning the game uh, on the two point conversion. So. No, I think Hugh Freeze is overrated. I think Dan Mullen is overrated. I think both of the Mississippi head coaches are overrated coaches. I think they get way too much love and respect uh, for what what they actually put out there. I firmly believe that. They had the one year where they both rose into the top four, and everybody's like, holy crap, look how good they actually are. Then we found out Hugh Freeze bought half his team, and Dan Mullen was only around (laughs) because of Dak Prescott. Let's be real about it.
0: Yeah, Dak Prescott is uh, currently on the road to Green Bay, just delivering them their butt. I mean, this guy was in college last year, and you couldn't even Mississippi State. If correct me if I'm wrong, they didn't even make a great bowl game last year, they they had Dak Prescott on their team. I mean, this guy uh, they is played. The NFL. They played in the Gulf
2: Bowl. So yeah, no, they they did not play in a prestigious bowl game. They actually played in a lower tier SEC bowl game. I mean, so think about that. The one year they had a good run, they had the middle linebacker, Beardrick McKinney, who was a high uh, draft pick. You had Dak Prescott, a quarterback, and that little bowling ball running back, Josh Robinson. Other than that, what would you have? Like, really, a freshman, Fred Ross, who's clearly a best player now? So, I mean, it just goes to show so, Dan ball is overrated. If any big school decides they're going to take Dan Mullen from Mississippi State, you be my guest and you lose. You go ahead and take that loss.
0: Yeah, and I was wrong about him, too. I thought he was a, a better coach. So, I mean, I'm wrong, too, Jonathan. There's times where where I say things or I think things and, and we're wrong, but we discuss them here and we work them out. Dallas 27-9 to over Green Bay. And I know Dallas is good, Jonathan, but but we'll talk about that in a minute. What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers, man? We talked about it the other night. I thought something was wrong with him. Something definitely is wrong with Aaron Rodgers. Something's not going right in that locker room. Something's wrong. And then Atlanta's up 24-17 to 17 in the fourth over Seattle right now. Carolina can't stop anybody. I mean, this NFL season is crazy right now. We'll talk about that later after we give college football its due. Let's go to the polls. That's where we're going to go right now. We're going to go to the AP poll. Screw the coaches poll. Nobody cares about them anyway. But Bama 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, Clemson 4, Washington 5, A&M 6, Louisville, Nebraska, Baylor, Wisconsin. What do you think so far?
2: Uh, Hard to argue with it. Um, I think that those are the right teams to be in the top ten. Whether or not I think One team really should flip spots is really inconsequential.
0: Correct. I mean, Nebraska, look, they're undefeated. They're going to win next week. I'm not going to bash them anymore. Uh, Baylor, they're starting to play Baylor football again. Wisconsin, how can you penalize them, man? I mean, they've lost to Michigan by seven, and they lost by a touchdown to Ohio State. To me, that's a top-ten team. (laughs) I mean,
1: Mm.
0: uh, I'm sorry. Let me get something off my chest.
2: All right, go ahead. Um, well, hey, Nebraska's this year is this year's version of Iowa last year, so let's let's just remember that, okay? But Dustin Porterfield and Milo Moon, I, you're both part of the group, whether you're listening or not, whatever. But I'm gonna call you out right now. What was that about? They going six and six, like. Well, y'all want to run that by me one more time. beginning of the year, I said Baylor finished second in the Big 12, and both y'all pipe up with they're going to go 6-6. Six and six. Well, fools, why not be the best team in the Big 12? So, please, in the future, in the future when you decide to call me out and tell me Texas is going to win nine games, just stop. Turn off your computer and go for a walk.
0: So, so Milo Moon was a part of that conversation too. Oh yeah. Okay, but but so Dustin said that Texas was going to win nine ball games. You know, I'm just recapping here. Let's 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 slow down. Um, and he said Baylor was going to win six games.
2: Yeah, yeah. Texas was going to finish in third place in the Big Twelve. And go to a good bowl game,
0: and Baylor was going to go six and six. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna try to get Dustin to call in to see what he says about it. But Texas, man, last night, oh my God, they at the halftime they were losing six to three, and Dustin's always he put out there Tom Herman coming now and all this. It's always the coach's fault, isn't it, Jonathan?
1: Oh,
2: Especially in Texas, I mean, you know, at halftime, all they were saying was that team's quit on Charlie, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I I get it. You're in panic mode because Charlie's 0-14 when he's trailing at halftime as head coach of Texas. That's fine. Dominant second half, though. I mean, absolutely dominant. Doesn't save his job, but it it drops the temperature degree for a week.
0: Yeah, Baylor right now, though, I mean, they are blowing people out. Iowa State was closed. They beat Kansas 49-7. They get a bye week. They play at Texas, TCU at Oklahoma, Kansas State at Texas Tech and at West Virginia. Jonathan, you may be talking too early because there's a lot of games left. They haven't started playing anybody yet. I mean, obviously the meat and potatoes of their schedule is coming up.
2: This Baylor defense might be the best one they've actually had in a minute. I actually like their defense a lot more than I like their offense this year. Um, I mean, it's kind of a dream scenario for me would be for Baylor and West Virginia to be undefeated going into that last uh, game against each other at the end of the year. I find that to be almost comical because the rest of the Big 12 would be so upset with that. Um, But, you you know, when you start your game against TCU, whose defense is terrible, and who's quarterback at the turnover machine. You still have Oklahoma, whose defense is terrible. Uh, and you still have Texas, whose defense is terrible. You know, I, I, the more I look at it, it's like Baylor and West Virginia, I think, actually are the two best defenses in the Big 12. And that's why I think that both these teams are going to make serious runs right now. Because, I mean, we saw West Virginia, they held Texas Tech to 10 points in Lubbock.
0: Yeah, that was – I picked Texas Tech to win that football game. And – uh Let's. Uh, Jason's on the line right now. Let's see what Jason's got to say. Jason, uh, good news. Oregon didn't give up a point this week. Um.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I am on the Kyle McAlvit train now. I, I've i thought about it longer and harder. What?
0: What happened? What changed what your happened? mind? That interview with ESPN. What that? What, what that interview with ESPN no, well, when what he when he said is, the kids are having fun out there regardless.
1: No, no, no. Um, what happened is I thought about it. The last two years, Ogan has the most embarrassing losses at Austin Stadium, and the one eye. Somebody commented um, said, "Oh yeah, Ogan's having a bad season. Ogan is tired of the coach." It's not the bad season. It's about how we're losing and it's about no emotion from the players or from the coaches. And that's what's making me mad. In the and the one eye. And Mark just has to go. Um I know there's coaches that's been here for twenty plus years, but we need to blow this up. Why not?
0: Wow, Jonathan, I'm surprised, man. This is a guy that was kissing Helfrich's butt a couple weeks ago. What happened, Jonathan?
2: Uh, Well, when you lose uh, 49, uh, Washington at home, your (laughs) perspective tends to change a little bit. And, and, and I I mean, I'm with Jason here. I've heard a discussion lately. People are like, oh, they're not going to fire Helfrich. They haven't fired Coach since 1976. And, you know, it's Rich Brooks' field. Rich Brooks had a career-losing record at Oregon uh, as a head coach. So, you know, like, well, what do they care? You know, they, don't, they really, Oregon's fans are spoiled. They had that nice run where they were really good under Chip mm-hmm. Kelly. But throughout the rest of the history, they haven't really been that good. And, and that's a good point. But they had that run. The precedent has been set. They expect to compete. Okay. They're not going to settle for losing seasons now. They're not going to settle for lackluster recruiting. Washington is whipping Oregon and recruiting. That's because Oregon's not going after the best Mm -hmm. players. I mean, this is a legitimate issue. So, I'm with Jason here. I think Helper should be let go. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of doing it now. No. But I get why it should be now. Because if you think his recruiting is that bad, you need to get somebody in there to get a jump on recruiting so you can actually get a better class than what you're probably yeah, looking at.
0: That's why that's why I would do it now, Jason, is if you brought in and I'm and I, I think uh I think you could get Chip Kelly to leave San Francisco. I mean, these guys are terrible. I don't think he's having fun yeah. anymore. But, but but Jason, would you take Chip Kelly back if he was to come back this year and coach? Would you take him back?
1: The the one big thing that I I'm I say about firing a coach, you better hit a strike. Even if it's Chip to wing back or Justin Wilcox as the um, defense coordinator for
0: Wisconsin, um, oh, you, you gotta
1: hit, a home, you gotta hit a, a home run. That's not
0: a home run. That's not a home run, yeah. Justin Wilcox, at, uh damn defensive coordinator of Wisconsin. Come on, Jason. That, that's a damn bunt single with a pitcher making a throwing error over first base's head. That's a, <laughs> well, you go to
1: Oregon Matthias. The, uh,
0: the home run yeah. hire is, is Chip Kelly, Art Bryles, uh, Gruden, somebody like I'm, that. Oregon, you got to think of yourself as a better team, a better organization than that. I mean – Oregon is one of the top programs in the country. They've, they're well-funded by Nike. They've got so many things going for them, going out and get, getting a home run hire from a defensive coordinator in Wisconsin. Hell, what, 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 what is that going to do for your offense, though? Wisconsin can't score. Yeah. In the Pac-12, well, defense a, ain't going to mean anything. That's I'm at that point. Washington. I'm at that point. It can't be Mark Elford's Yeah. It A- can't. <laughs> that's, um, that's all that matters. Um, that's all that matters to Jason. I don't I wanted to run Gene Chizik out of town long before he was 3-9. I mean, it's frustrating oh, yeah. when you're getting embarrassed and your team doesn't I mean, play hard. That's, that's pussies I mean, it's, is what it's they are. Even, Excuse not, my it's, it's,
1: it's, Like I said, you, you listen to the interviews. I have listened to every post game, every practice interview this It's the same speech it's the win of the demonity, and oh, we gotta fuck it's positive and whatnot it's that's we're <laughs> <laughs> r- somebody underneath the bus we your balls i'm I'm sorry to say balls on the radio, but jeez we're okay, emotion
0: now. we we're 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 donald Trump supporters. it's okay to say balls and pussy <laughs> and everything like that on the air
1: no but I. <laughs> Y'all understand my point is football is an emotional yes. game. Where's the emotion?
0: Yeah, he was sitting on that. I don't know if y'all caught the interview with ESPN he did, but he looked like a little kid over there drawing million sitting back wrecking a damn car. He's like a teenager driving a Ferrari and keeps totaling it. But I would fire him now. I wouldn't wait until the end of the season because if, as soon as you fire him, the recruits now are turned off. Uh and and here's here's the yeah. deal. Let me tell you guys something out there. When you when you're gonna get beat by forty nine, don't bring a bunch of recruits in to watch, okay? Nah. Don't do that, Tennessee. Don't do that, Oregon. Don't do that, Rutgers. Teams like that. <laughs> do not yeah. bring a bunch of recruits in to get beat by forty nine points. But but you gotta have a home run higher to help recruiting now. Mm-hmm. Help and and, and and I'm gonna pat myself on the back because Jonathan can can, can attest to this. You can too. Even when you made the playoff that year, I was like, Helfrich is not the coach for Oregon, and it's going to start deteriorating. So I was right about one thing, Jonathan. At least I was right about that.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you've been on this Helfrich's not the man for Oregon. And as long as they were winning, I was like, you know what, just leave them. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, you win 10 games a year with him, it's fine. You know, it's kind of like Mark in Georgia. We'll probably get to them in a minute. Uh, but you know oh, I yeah. mean definitely Yeah, I mean definitely though, I mean a guy that I think Oregon will look at and I, honestly I think would be a good hire for them is T J Fleck, the head coach at uh, Western Michigan. Hmm. I mean Fleck has been recruiting yeah. circles around the Mac. You know he can recruit. You know he can win. He took over a Western Michigan team that was one and eleven, his alma mater. Um, and, and this is a guy that he's 36. He, play, he played for the 49ers for a couple of years as a wide receiver. Like, this is a guy that gets it. He wants to run a uh, wide-open offense and have fun and score points. You know, row the boat, row yeah. the boat. And that's his whole thing. So I think that's a guy that we're going to look at. I don't think they're going to get a big name hire unless it is somebody, unfortunately, like Les Miles or Art Bryles, Les Miles or Art Bryles just because recruiting for them – and they're, they're, they're not big enough recruiting-wise. And how many guys want to go from the southern schools out to the, the northwest where the recruiting grounds aren't as fertile? How many guys want to go to the Pac-12 where defense is really mm-hmm. not the name of the game, even though we see it every year, good teams will play defense. Washington this year, Washington State this year, Stanford in years past, Utah. You know, these are teams that play defense. They're, all, they're winning the games. So you know, if mm-hmm. you have a good defense in the Pac-12, PAC you could be a contender. It's not always just about the offense, but you need an offense that's going to score at least twenty-eight, thirty points a game. You know that's that's the big thing here. That Oregon has to yeah. score forty points a game to win.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason, what do you think? What do you think about Les Miles?
1: Um, Les Miles, is he's, he's a good name, but I think. I think that the football program sort of do what they did to basketball. They they'll bring in a small school coach that could develop um, players and whatnot. Um, you're not gonna get the best Western athlete. Michigan coach. Yeah, the Western Michigan the coach, whatnot. Um, Les Miles. Yeah, hey, like I said, if it's anybody than Mark Elferts, I'll be happy. Um, they could hire anybody. Well,
0: I'll be happy. Well, I just don't um, want to see him I just don't want to see him hire a coordinator right now. I think yeah. Oregon deserves a head coach and like even like Jonathan said, you get Western Michigan's coach, you get a hungry yeah. guy that can that can mm-hmm. develop players obviously. And and I think getting an Oregon job will allow him to recruit a little better than what yeah. he can at Western Michigan right now. The hell, I mean, Jonathan may be maybe talking about the next future Nick Saban. You don't ever know. But uh, yeah. but Oregon, enough talk one about last, them. One going thing are they before they I
1: have go. All right, um, go ahead for Oregon. Um, yeah. One last thing uh, before Oregon, if they don't have Vernon Adams last year, Oregon's terrible and one eye. Um, say what it is. Oregon's terrible without Vernon Adams. How many wins? I feel confident. One and that's Oregon State, um, feel really confident about. But outside of that,
0: I don't okay. know. It's, well,
1: yeah, so.
0: well, are are the fans at Oregon, do a lot of people, the buzz on the chat boards, are they wanting Helper to come?
1: Yeah, the chat boards, yeah, the Oregon groups and whatnot. Uh, a
0: lot of chatter and whatnot. Uh, well, it's, it's well, people don't think pretty fans pretty. matter, Jason but they do, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. People think fans don't matter, Jonathan, but when you quit coming into the game, that's that speaks louder than anything. So people that say fans can't make noise and get coaches fired, then they're crazy. But um, speaking about a coach that's about to get fired, uh, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, how in the world do you lose at home to Stanford of all teams? I mean, you, you got a Winona McCaffrey here they come. you you got a 10-to-nothing lead at halftime, and you choke it away and lose. Brock Kelly sucks. And and one time in the fourth quarter, the drive before last, their last drive, they put the, the left-handed backup quarterback in at their own 10-yard line. Does that make any sense to you?
2: I mean, Kaiser is definitely having a rough game, and I think that a lot of people look at the game, would, wait a minute. You know, I, I, Kaiser might not be as good as we thought. Look, the the shame here is that you get a great defensive performance. You shut them out in the first half. You held them under 300 yards of offense. You held them under 20 points. Uh, you forced three turnovers. And your offense scores 10 points. So they scored 13 points in two weeks. Last week you're like, well, you know, the rain, blah blah blah. But last week you were you up with we knew we couldn't run on them. Okay, so you can't run the football. If you can't run the football, you're going to lose. That, that, that's a, a very common thing in college football right now. Even Washington State's running the ball, and they'd rather throw the ball 60 times a game, but they understand that if we can't run the football, we're going to lose. That was downright disappointing effort by Notre Dame. Uh, bringing in Zaire, I, I, I looked at it and went, why is the backup in? Like, why is this guy in there right now? He's not very good, and we saw it. He wasn't really able to get anything done. I, I honestly, I think Ryan Kelly's on. I don't care what anybody says. Brian Kelly's on the hot seat because when you find, you get great offensive performance and the defense no shows, you get a really damn good, a great defensive performance and the offense no shows. Like this is not an issue. This team is not responding to whatever he's saying, whatever he's doing. And like when he was calling out the players. I think that left such a foul taste in people's yep. mouth that I don't think he can survive yep. this. And you look at the remainder of the schedule, there's at least two losses, which means they don't go bowling and they don't go 500.
0: That's what I was about to say, Jonathan, is I think he threw his team under the bus uh, one too many times, and they started taking it personal. You know, it's different. One time you may call them out to fire them up like Mike Leach did. Um to Washington State, and now you see them. But every time you lose, you never take accountability for it. You're always throwing your team under the bus. No, that's that's your problem, dude. He, he deserves to be fired. I don't know who else would want him. But let's, let's move over to that SEC East, that tough SEC East with Georgia, homecoming game in Athens, Vanderbilt never won a road game under their current coach. And Jacob Eason, he goes off for 346 yards, better than the 20 at the week before. But here's the deal. Chubb, 40 yards, 16 carries. Tony Michelle, 13 carries, 28 yards. They lose 17-16 to to Vanderbilt. I mean, they had 40, 48 yards passing, or excuse me, 109 yards passing, Schumer did. And they only had like 62 yards rushing as a team, but yet they come in and they beat you in your place. Now tell me, Kirby Smart, how good of a coach are you? Jonathan, Kirby Smart, Georgia fans wanted Mark Rick gone. Well, you better be careful what you wish for, buddy, because this is embarrassing.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I put it in my little write-up. Georgia fans need to not panic because – you fought so hard to get Mark fired. You brought in Kirby. You knew it was going to be a year or two of a rebuild. You had to have known that was coming. The fact that they ran for 75 yards on 35 carries is embarrassing because you're supposed to be able to run the football. That's your calling card, and you couldn't run the ball. Your freshman quarterback goes 27-40 of 40 to 346. No turnovers. I mean, Ethan had a great day. Now, Vanderbilt's punter had a great day kept flipping the field on Georgia. Georgia's defense played pretty damn well. I mean, we see it. Uh, Vanderbilt's defense just swarmed the line of scrimmage, and they couldn't figure out just, you know, anything really once they got past the 50. That was an embarrassing loss. There's no other way to go about it. I mean, a 4th and 1, and you gave gave a handoff to Isaiah McKenzie, who's a wide receiver. Like, of all people to get that handoff, it's Nick Chubb. So that that right there
0: was poor coaching. That's a poor call by the offensive coordinator. Uh yeah, you say not to panic if you're Georgia though, but I mean you're you're losing to Vanderbilt at home. You 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 had 28 yards passing against South Carolina. I mean, I know it's it's a rebuild in a couple years, but these Georgia people were thinking SEC championship this year, Jonathan. That's where I'm I'm coming from the fans. I've been dealing with was was tell, laughing at Auburn when they lost their couple of games against Clemson and A and M, laughing about how they beat North Carolina, how they how they beat Missouri, and they're back. And now they've lost three games. Who are the three teams that beat them? Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and who else?
1: Tennessee, uh,
0: Vanderbilt.
1: Who
0: was it? I lost. Who was it? Who was it? I don't know Something's sneaking up on me here. Let me go to their schedule real quick now. I'm con- if I get confused a- during a during a broadcast like this, that's that's my fault. I should have known this, but it's for some reason it's slipping my mind here. They lost to Ole Miss, forty five to fourteen. we forget that game was played. It was so ugly. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you know they beat North Carolina. You're like, okay, that's a pretty decent team. They the next week at Nichols, when they won twenty six to twenty four and had the the referees had to cheat to to give them that one. I started saying, oh, there's something wrong here. It's just not a very good team. The next week they went to Missouri, had a come from behind win, trailing the whole game, and then it started falling apart. Forty five to fourteen, they lost to the hail mary to Tennessee. Uh, they beat South Carolina twenty eight to fourteen on the road, but then they come back and it doesn't. Doesn't get easier. They've got Florida in two weeks. They get a bye. I don't think they can beat Florida right now. But hey, Florida, Georgia can beat Florida because it is a rival game, and Easton can't throw the football. Any you, you get you get a team with some fight in them. In two weeks, I think Georgia's gonna have some fight in them. I think they may beat Florida. Call me crazy right now, but I think ethan could. I think Easton could beat them, man. Or or what's his name? I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, Ethan. Ethan. Um
0: Ethan, easy. And then they play Kentucky on the road, which is not a gimme. It's not a gimme. They play Auburn. They host Auburn. And then they got Lafayette and Georgia Tech. I mean, this is I mean, they could this team probably could win eight ball games in in a in a rebuilding year, which is like you said, don't panic out there. You know, Georgia fans don't panic right now because just say you you beat Florida and you lose to Auburn or vice versa. You've lost four games. Eight and four wouldn't be a bad year, Kirby's first year, would it? Eight and four?
2: No. I mean, I had this team going anywhere from eight to ten wins just because the schedule set up pretty nice for them in all honesty. Uh, I thought Ole Miss and Tennessee, they were going to lose no matter what. Florida's obviously a toss-up game. Uh, Auburn, I thought, was a toss-up game going into the year because – like you, like when we talked about last week, I don't know if anybody saw Sean White growing. At no, 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 it's not. No, it's not. Auburn, Auburn, won't, Auburn won't take care of business in that one. Sean White has just matured way too well. Um, you know, looking at Georgia, though, you have Easton, Nada, and McKenzie, who are all underclassmen. Nada and Easton are true freshmen, and they've been playing great. I mean, they look yeah. awesome. That defense is not bad. They had a bad game against Ole Miss, but the defense isn't that bad. Like, there's building blocks there. Give Kirby a year or two. Let him get, the, let him get his imprint on this program. Let him get his recruits in, and you might see a result. Don't panic. Let's, I mean, well, Mark been, there, this I've team goes 10-2. Yeah,
0: I've been too critical on them, haven't I? Just because I don't like George, I think. Maybe I'm – you know, well, you,
2: you deal with their fans on a daily basis, and Georgia fans, as much as nobody talks about Georgia fans, but they're a ridiculous bunch of people. Because every year, <laughs> we're a contender. We're a contender. Right? I mean, hey, y'all haven't won a title since 1980. Have you played for a title since 1980? I mean, come on. And then, you know, 2012 is your greatest what-if moment, where if you don't have that stupid boneheaded, you know, you know, brain freeze, they have a chance to actually win that game. And if you beat Alabama, you beat Notre Dame, there's no doubt in my mind. So the closest Georgia's really come to a title since they last won one, which is 36 years ago was 2012. I mean, their fan base is a little ridiculous. They think every year is going to be the year. I mean, there's a lot of us out there who are like, oh, I think the team could be good this year. And then once every, let's say, five years, we're like, oh, we're a contender. And maybe we're not. Maybe we are. But Georgia, every year they're a contender. You guys don't own your own state recruiting. You can't be a contender if you can't dominate your own state. So, they're telling you, give Kirby time. He's a first-time head coach. It's learning on the job for him. Let him figure it out. When Mark Rick first came in, he was a first-time head coach. He had the water on the fly, and look what he built at Georgia.
0: Yep. So we'll see about Georgia. This year they're not winning the SEC, but they will recruit the type of players needed to win the East and to win the SEC overall in the next couple. I hope it doesn't happen, but Jonathan's right in this one. Um, But I still think – you know, when you we talk, you said Auburn wasn't a, a coin flip. To me, it, I think it is and because of the rivalry and because of the way Georgia's beaten Auburn eight out of ten years, I think. Until that, that changes, I mean, if you're not going to beat Georgia now, Auburn, good luck in the future because they're just going to get better. This Ethan kid is sophomore and junior year. I don't think he stays in college for a full four years. I think he goes to the NFL. They're going to be tough to beat next year and the year after with him, especially two years from now. If Easton stays healthy, Jonathan, they're going to be tough to beat with that kind of gunslinger there. That's that's all I'm going to say.
2: Oh, I agree. I think Georgia right now, uh, if you're the fan base, target Easton's junior year, target 2018. I think 2018 is the year where Georgia could be downright dangerous because you're going to have a lot of guys who are freshmen in this year's class, which looks to be a very good class, who are all going to be juniors. Uh, redshirt sophomores, you're gonna have two, you have another two years of his recruits behind him, uh, and I mean, I'm telling you, Georgia 2018 is a team to look out for. But you know, uh, until then, you know, all all I hope is that Easton doesn't regress from his freshman to sophomore year like Christian Hackenberg did. That's the one thing you worry about. Where Christian Hackenberg had that great freshman year at Penn State, and then uh, the offensive line was gone, his receivers were gone. And he regressed. So Georgia just has to keep the weapons around uh, Easton. Get make sure your offensive line protects him, and you'll be good because you have the skill position guys. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's going to take time. Be patient.
0: R e l a x. Well, not much happened <laughs> in college football yesterday other, other than what we talked about. Your Seminoles got him a of win over Wake Forest wasn't impressive, but you didn't expect them to be. I mean, I guess one of the surprises yesterday to me, too, I don't know why it surprised me, but Michigan State at home loses 54-40. What in the hell's going on in Michigan State? I mean, this is a team that prides themselves on defense, but it's that Alabama effect, man, I'm telling you. It's like Alabama beats you. They really, like Texas, Texas hasn't been the same since 2009 when Alabama destroyed them in the national championship game. Michigan State plays Alabama last year. It gets destroyed on national TV. They're not the same. Is, am I on to something here or is that just just sheer luck? Michigan State sucks the way they do. I mean, they gave up 54 points to Northwestern, and the over-under in this game was 42. Okay, 94 points scored in the game. 90, 94 points scored in this game alone. I mean, I, no, I'm not talking about the the Big Sky Conference, the Pac-12. This is the Big Ten football, and Michigan State was a six-point favorite and gets beaten by 14. What an embarrassment! I mean, Michigan State, what are you doing? I mean, you're still supposed to be average, even if you are rebuilding. What is going on?
2: Well, I mean, let, let me start off with great job of turning around your season. Um, Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. I mean, they're, they're, the way their season began, it looked like they were going to have a horrendous year. They completely righted the ship. You know, It just goes to show how good of a coach I think Pat Fitzgerald is, but he's never going to leave Northwestern, so people stop asking. Um, as far as Michigan State goes, they lost a lot of keep, uh, keep good players at key positions. So, you're looking at a a high turnover this year where it mattered, and Michigan State recruits guys to develop. They don't recruit four and five stars that much. They recruit a bunch of twos and threes because that's what they can get. So, you know, when you're going to – I think with Michigan State, you have like a really good two, three-year run, and in year four, it's going to be down. I mean, they're going to be a a very cyclical team where, you know, their success is going to come in cycles just because of the way that they, uh, they've they been able to recruit. So, yeah, I think they're going to have a down year. Maybe next year is another down year. But I, that's another team that 2018 I think could be very good just because that's Mark Antonio's track record, and he's a very good coach.
0: Well, here's what you're saying. Northwestern, 2-1 in the Big Ten right now. I mean, I think they play on the easy side, don't they? The easier side of the division mm-hmm. where they can actually get into the Big Ten championship, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yes. Michigan State is 0 and 3. Never saw that coming. If you had told me that before the season that Michigan State would be 2 and 4 and 0 and 3 in the conference, I'd have laughed at you. Uh, there's there's no way, no way that happens. And you're right. I think you know you start looking at they don't get you know a reload for them. It takes three years sometimes to be able to develop their own players, the three stars. And I'm interested to go into recruiting right now. I'm trying to get in there. If you'll bear with me a minute, quit, quit getting on me so hard, Jonathan. Give me time to
1: focus here. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm looking. At, I guarantee you, if we go into recruiting and we we really just look at, well, sometimes I hate rivals. Um, <laughs> That's why I don't use them. Yeah, they always pro. It's written by Alabama fans. Alabama signed 20 players, the top 20 of all of them in Alabama. Uh, 2016 class, let's just look and just see. like, a, I mean, I'm going to name these teams and you tell me how they're doing this year for the most part. Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, Michigan, LSU, Clemson, Texas. Oh, they're a, <laughs> Texas is an outlier here. Ole Miss, Auburn, UCLA, Georgia, Southern Cal, Notre Dame, Florida, Tennessee, Oklahoma, a and M, Michigan State. Okay, Michigan State signed eleven four stars. That they're all young now. Now that's a lot for Northwest or Michigan State. Eleven four stars and seven three stars. But let's go back one more year. Let's go back one more year. So we know Michigan State's a young, talented team right now, right? We can say that they've, they've got some talent. Yeah. But, but I think what hurt them was finishing twenty second the year before with seven four stars and thirteen three. So I don't know, Jonathan. These these two the last two recruiting years have been solid for Michigan State and next year and the year after could be very strong. Um let me just look one more one more place. I'm just looking at number 2014. I'm just, I'm just trying to see if I can find anything. And they were 22nd. So they're I mean, this the last year, 2016. They actually doubled their recruiting with four-star athletes, which is impressive to me. So Michigan State, if you're looking at the way they develop people into their system, they should be very much improved next year, wouldn't you agree? Oh
2: uh, yeah. I mean, no, I, It's just. Michigan State's secondary was not very good last year, and it didn't really look like they were going to improve. They lost Connor Cook, and nobody was sure that Tyler O'Connor was actually going to be good. You lost uh, Conklin on the offensive line, when, when, you know, a first-round pick at offensive tackle. You know, I mean, they, they lost key players. You lost Tony Lippett, who is now playing cornerback in the NFL. He's your best receiver. You know, I mean, it, it, it takes time for them to fi- fix things. You know, and obviously the recruiting has gotten better. There's no doubt about that. And that's because they've been winning. But unfortunately for them, at the same time, they get lapsed by Michigan and Ohio State. And there's no doubt about that. Those two schools are going to recruit top ten here on out as long as their coaches are there. So, you know, Michigan State's always kind of battling for third place, and they need better coaching development-wise to outperform and beat teams like Michigan and Ohio State at the end of the day. I mean, we saw last year when they did Ohio State, they were a better coached team that day. There's no doubt about that. This same quarterback started, but it's not like they looked the world on fire and they scored 16 points. So I think with Michigan State, it's just patience. You know, you're not expecting national titles. You know, you're not even really expecting Rose Bowls. you expect a New Year's Day game, of course. You know, but when you can make the playoff, your career going to pick up. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, and let me tell you something real quick. This surprises me. Texas right now is 60th in recruiting. They have three four stars and five three stars. It's time to fire Charlie Strong right now. I mean, Texas even when they've struggled, they've been in top ten recruiting classes, right? Now they're at yeah. 60th. And now, now let me let me go up to Oregon real quick. I know I got off topic a little bit. Oregon is 37th right now with five four, five, four stars and, and six three stars. That's not going to cut it, Mark Helfrich. That's not going to cut it. I know we're not talking about recruiting tonight, but some of these teams, and I know it's early, but Auburn's down. And Auburn's looking like crap right now, but, you know, they'll pick it up at the end. They're 19th with seven four-stars and five three-stars. That's not going to cut it, Gus. South Carolina is at 10 right now. A&M at nine, Tennessee eight, Clemson seven, Notre Dame six. I think that's going to fall off a lot, Notre Dame. Georgia at fifth. So, like you said, don't panic. But here's Alabama at number one with uh, 21 recruits already commits. Four five-stars, 13 four-stars, and three three-stars. <laughs> and we're not even mm. into the recruiting season yet. So, I mean, how are they going to get worse? That's what I want to know. What's, how are you going to beat Alabama when they're recruiting like that? Ohio State's second with four or five stars and 11 four stars. Average recruit for Ohio State is a 4.12 star. Bama's is a 3.95 star, which I don't understand that. But um, anyway, I just the rich get richer, and that's what happens in college football right now. You're not – dethroning that but does that concern you that charlie strong in texas right now is at 60th and do you think that's because of the the unrest right now about charlie strong ways performing and they they think he may get fired and they're waiting to see who comes in because old miss is at 43rd and they're about to get the death penalty um so you look the usual suspects are up at the top you know florida states um at 14th right now, that's not going to stay too long. Florida at 12, Miami at 11, Mark Rick doing a good job. Just want to throw some recruiting out there since that excites people. You know we'll have Tom Luganville on the show this year to to go over some recruiting, but but last last night wasn't a, a big deal. Houston escaped barely against Tulsa. I'm not sure that wasn't a touchdown at the end of the game, Jonathan. No, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, that, I think I think their coach right here, Herman, I don't think he's as sought after as a commodity as people were expecting. You know, the last few weeks, he's really sucked.
2: Uh, Well, Herman's an offensive coach, and they lost putting up 40, and they lost putting up 40, and they won by 7, but they put up 38. If anybody's name is getting drugged through the mud at this point, it's their defensive coordinator. People are like, oh, the scheme he runs is great. And all this, and obviously having one of their better defensive players suspended for this week's game did not help matters one bit. But you've given up 77 points in two weeks. That's an issue. Uh, and I, I think uh, Houston's defense is going to be the demise of them. I think they lose another game at least between now and the end of the year, whether it's Louisville or whether it's the conference championship game against USF, whoever it is. Even if they, if they get even get to the conference championship game, uh, because they would need Navy to lose, um, I you know I, I think Herman is still going to be sought after, but people are going to want to see how he responds because now Houston's not going to make the playoffs. So and and all honesty, they're not even a front runner for the group of five bowls and, and, and the Cotton Bowl. So how does he rally this team? How do they respond? You know, they're getting punched pretty hard right now. They, they were able to land the knockout blow uh, this week, but how's it going to go for the rest of the year? Because everybody playing mm-hmm. them has a target solidly on them. They have the by on them, and they're coming for them. So you're going to learn about Herman as a head coach this season. And that is why I said yeah. after last year, nobody don't hire him. Don't do it. We don't know him yet.
0: Well, before we go into the NFL and baseball real quick, um, some sad news to report. Uh, Jonathan, I'm an Auburn fan. This is emotional. Um, go ahead and tell us. Quentin Groves passed away at 32, all-time SAG leader at Auburn. He was a machine linebacker. I mean, just one of the best all-around players Auburn's ever had on the defensive side of the ball. We lost him way too early, my friend, at 32. And uh, a couple days earlier, I got a um, – One of my friends tragically died in a motorcycle accident at 39 years old. I'm 39 as well. We went to high school and graduated together. It's been a tough week, man. People are just dropping like flies right now. But thoughts on the death of an Auburn legend right here at 32. I think it's heart attack related.
2: Yeah, I I heard he passed away in his sleep, and that's a shame, especially somebody um – you know, at that age. I mean, he's somebody who obviously had a great career at Auburn. And, uh, you know, you look at his pro career and he showed tons of potential uh, throughout. Obviously, he, um, you know, he had his issues. Uh, and the pros, you know, when you have a player that good, sometimes their body just breaks down on them. You know, that that, that that's the unfortunate situation here. Uh, you know, obviously condolences to the Auburn family and especially to, to his family and, and friends. Uh, de- definitely you know you never want to hear uh something like that. Uh just makes you have that moment of mortality that I don't think a lot of people actually yep. wanna have.
0: I've had it over the last several years and it's you know, it's 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 I think it's good that you have that. It's good that you realize life's short. You never know when your time's gonna be, no matter how you live or what you do, you never know what could happen the next day. And it just shows you treat people good, treat people uh, fair, you know, be there for people. Don't be selfish. And losing a friend, I mean, it wasn't a close friend. You know, you lose you lose track of people after high school, you know, sometimes. And you only have a few people after high school that once you, you get older you keep in touch with. But this wasn't a person mm-hmm. I kept in touch with. But it was a guy that, you know, I grew up with, played sports with, just tragically killed in a motorcycle he bought his motorcycle on october 6th and he died like a week and a half after a car pulled out in front of him but I've, i've told people forever and i'll say it on this show look motorcycles are cool and all until you see them get wrecked and usually people don't make it that's why i don't ride a motorcycle i've enjoyed riding motorcycles in the past but i just can't bring myself to doing that man because all it is is a donor cycle. That's all it is.
2: Yeah, I've never been. I, I've always lived by uh, less than four wheels, no thanks, um, when it comes to anything with a motor, to be honest. Unless we're talking like a boat. I mean, that, that's obviously different. But, um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a shame. It's a pretty common occurrence, especially uh, down here in Florida, where a lot of people have them. You know, I know a lot of people that ride bikes. I mean, I've seen people survive some really nasty crashes on bikes. Don't know how. Um, you know, my uncle survived one out bad, in Denver. Yeah, see, I mean, we we've, yeah. we've all know. I, I think if you took a poll of everybody across the U.S., they would know somebody. You know, if you took a poll of everybody who knows somebody who has a motorcycle, um, they've w- known a rat. Uh, and I, I think that's... Uh, Yeah, that's just an unfortunate uh, occurrence
0: with uh, motorcycle ownership. Uh, Terrible. Terrible, Mm -hmm. terrible. Well, let's talk real quick about the NFL. Agree or disagree? I'm going to say I want you to agree or disagree with my comments. Um, Mm -hmm. Carolina season ended today. Agree. All right. So we agree. I just don't think they can come back, even though Atlanta lost today. Their their defense is atrocious. Um, it's not the offense. Benjamin dropped some passes, but that's not why they lost. They lost because of their inability to stop people, right? Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, you have 41 points in New Orleans and you scored 38. You should have won that game when you scored 38.
0: Dallas is a damn good football team. True or false? Oh, true, definitely true. Yeah, they just beat Green Bay thirty to sixteen. Atlanta is a good football team. They lost to Seattle twenty six to twenty four, but I'm buying Atlanta right now. I think they're good. I think they're a good team.
2: I'm not buying yet. This is still the Atlanta team that started with five and zero last year, and missed the playoffs. I'm not. I don't trust Matt Ryan, so I'm not buying yet. But it's not, I'm not selling stock.
0: Okay. So, um, I'm selling Philadelphia. Lost 27 to 20 today at Washington. It's coming back down to, to earth. I don't think this is a playoff team, wild card team, anything. I think this team is heading for a complete disaster.
2: Oh, yeah. Sell, so, sell, so, sell. So. I mean, I just did my recent projections, and I can't get them more than seven wins. So, sell.
0: So, sell so now. The Bears, the Bears suck. agree. <laughs> My
2: buddy who's a Bears fan calls me today and he and he goes, you know they lost to Jacksonville? I'm like, what? And I look it up, Jacksonville scored all 17 of their points in the fourth quarter, 10 points in the last five minutes <laughs> of the game. Uh, and he goes, you might be right that Chicago only wins one game this year. I'm sitting there going, yeah. That was pretty pessimistic at the time, but it, it looks pretty damn accurate.
0: Good luck stopping New England getting to the Super Bowl. They're a team on a – Tom Brady is on a mission right now to to stand there and take that Super Bowl trophy and slap Goodell with it. Nobody's getting in the way of the New England Patriots. True or false?
2: True if they have home field in the playoffs. If Pittsburgh winds up with home field for that AFC championship game, Pittsburgh will beat New England. But if New England – Wins out and gets home field. There's no stopping that machine. This is the Tom Brady middle finger to the Goodell tour, and it's gonna be ugly.
0: I'm not buying Pittsburgh right now. Uh, very unpredictable team. They lost to Miami thirty to fifteen. Don't think Berg's ready to compete at the level of New England.
2: I mean, I, I disagree with that. I think Pittsburgh can compete. Uh, obviously, they lost today, and it was pretty embarrassing, especially if you had them today. Um, they just are a weird road team. Both their losses, they got embarrassed, and they are both on the road. Uh, I, I think um, they, these are problems that can be fixed um, within, within their team. I mean, they just got Le'Veon Bell back, and they're still trying to uh, work the receiving corps uh, together.
0: Well, San Francisco sucks, and Chip Kelly will be removed as head coach of San Francisco, and he will be in college football next year.
2: I agree that San Francisco sucks, and ha 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 ha! Kaepernick started, and he sucks too. I mean, come on, you really thought Kaepernick was going to fix the team by starting guys? Come on! <laughs> um, I'm selling the Chip Kelly getting fired. I don't think Stanford is going to fire him after one year. And I'm um, selling that he leads. I think he wants one more year to prove he's an NFL coach before he decides uh, to go back to the college ranks.
0: All right, the NFL is rigged. True or false?
2: Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I hate saying it, but yeah, I think, I honestly, I, it I think it is. I really do. I, I looked at it earlier, um, and if you look at stats against the spread, home dog, road dog, they all float between forty-seven and fifty-two percent. I mean, I don't know how you can get a fifty-fifty split essentially like that, and there not be some hands in the in, in the in the pudding there. Mm-hmm.
0: How many wins does Carolina have to have to make the playoffs if they were going to make it? And I don't think it'll be a division winner, probably not. But how many to get a wild card or make it? Do you think nine and seven will be enough to get Carolina into the playoff?
2: I think nine and seven get them a wild card spot.
0: Can they do that?
2: No, they can't. Not 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 with this defense. No, no, they can. No, they can not. The Bucks gashed them on the running game. The Saints torched them through the air. There's a lot of issues with that
0: defense. It's ugly. It's bad. it's bad. Is John Franklin III the best backup quarterback in college football? <laughs> Disagree. I had to give you that one, man. I had to give you that one, man. You told me I, you told me I couldn't talk about John Franklin, so I had to throw him in there. Uh, let's get to Major League Baseball real quick. Let's get to Major League Baseball. And I know you're Foaming at the mouth to talk this. The Cubs right now. What a great game last night. I mean, uh, God, the Dodgers and the Cubs. It was a whole. I saw the the home plate steal last night by the Cubs. The Dodgers rallied back to tie it up. The Cubs ended. But what do you think about the Cubs' chances? The Dodgers are not going to go away quietly. I mean, they're not going to go away. Kershaw is coming up big tonight. I think Kershaw. I'm trying to look at the point spread on that game, but not the line, not point spread, but you know what I mean. Um, I'm just trying to see, but this is a must-win for the Dodgers. I think if they go down 2-0, I think I think this Cubs get one in LA, and I think this this series is over. But the Dodgers, if this surprises you, they're favored tonight in Chicago, 8:05 Eastern start. That's why we gotta get off here by then to to watch that game, but. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cubs tonight at home. I just yeah. think the Cubs are the best team in baseball right now. And I think Kershaw is going to give up a couple of runs in this game. I think it's like a two-to-one game, but I think the Cubs find a way to win.
2: Yeah, I mean, Clayton Kershaw is a great pitcher, but in the playoffs he has not been good. And everybody's like, when we look at the save he got against the Nationals. Oh, my goodness, he got two outs. I mean, let's not forget that he gave up, what, four runs in game one and four runs in game four. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the Cubs can get to him. The Cubs smash lefties. They, I think they can get to Kershaw. Kyle Hendricks, had, I honestly, was the best pitcher in baseball this year. I mean, Kershaw was hurt. So, you could, you know, I, it's hard for me uh, to disagree with Kershaw as the best pitcher overall if you look at the track record and everything. But this year, Kyle Hendricks was the best pitcher in baseball. He was phenomenal at home for the Cubs. I, I like the Cubs a lot. I think they're an excellent team. Um, I, I did, this is the year where they make the World Series, and they are clearly the best team in baseball. There's no doubt about that. I re- last night the 10 hit grand slam. You, you couldn't write a script that would put that in there. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> hats off to sports once again providing us the best reality TV we're ever going to see.
0: I think I think baseball is very underrated when it comes to playoff time. Um, let's just. So exciting to watch these crowds get into it and these players play at a at a high level. And the reason baseball players make so much money is because it's very difficult to be great at baseball. You know, it's anybody can have, get a ball and run up the field with it or or catch one. To be able to hit a hundred mile per hour pitch, to be able to catch BBs at you, I mean you got to be phenomenal to pitch the way these guys do. But tonight's a big game. And I, I know you go, I think it's 2-2, two, 1-1-1, two, one, 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 right? It's not 2-3-2. Two, two. Am I correct in saying uh, that?
2: No, I think they switched to 2-3-2 two, two now.
0: Okay, well, so, so here's the deal. Cubs win tonight. They win one in L.A. They come back up 3-2 to two with two left in Chicago. It's over. I mean, Tonight, so such a big game for the Dodgers. If they lose this game, they may not make it back to Chicago. Chicago, they may get they may end their season in Los Angeles because the Cubs are not a bad road team either, Jonathan. And when you can hit the way they can hit, and you can field the way they can field, it's just tough to beat them. They they seem like the best team in baseball, and I'm going to pick them tonight to go up two to nothing. But the Indians in Toronto, that series, Indians jumped on 2 two zero it heads back to Toronto now. I'm not so sure Cleveland doesn't sweep this series.
2: Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's having a great year. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. I mean, they're, they don't have two of their better starting pitchers uh, for the postseason, and Danny Salazar, who probably was their best pitcher this year, and Carlos Carrasco was just their best. Um, their offense is performing. Their pitching has been lights out. they got a great bullpen with Andrew Miller, uh, Cody Allen, Dan Otero, Brian Shaw might be the best bullpen in baseball. Um, I love seeing this. We could see a Cubs-Indians World Series, and that would make me kind of happy uh, until one of them loses and you kind of feel bad for the loser. Um, you know, but it's time to believe in Cleveland, guys. It really is. This is a very good team. Toronto's offense struggled a lot this year. Um, their, their pitching staff is good, not great. You know, to jump out 2-0 like this looks a lot like the Boston series. We're like, oh you know, Cleveland, uh, Boston and Cleveland should be a five game series. Should be a good series. And Cleveland jumped up 2 0 and just said, you know, we're gonna end this now. And I think the same thing could happen. Toronto game three is obviously a must win. I don't know if they can do it. It's gonna be interesting to see. I think that series goes five or six
0: games. You know what? What's funny is people don't think if the Indians win that the ratings will be good for the World Series. If Chicago's in that World Series and Cleveland's in the World Series, I think the ratings will be through the roof. Um, You know, I know we have the presidential debate coming up Wednesday night, but after that, the World Series won't take place until after that. I think you'll get some very high numbers for the World Series, Jonathan. I think if the Cubs are in there, I mean, even Los Angeles is a big market. But Chicago, everybody has WGN. Everybody throughout my lifetime, I've watched the Cubs ever since I was a little kid on cable,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that's why I've always enjoyed watching them. But the Cubs are good for baseball right now. The Indians are good for baseball right now. If you, you know, Dodgers spending all that money, the Yankees and all them, but you got the little Cubs. Change Epstein's the, the owner now, and they the owner or the uh, the manager now, uh-huh. where he can make all the decisions. Yeah, the president. Yeah. So. It, it's, it's no coincidence that he did it in Boston. He comes in and he does it here. Is he the best in baseball at his job? I think so. Uh,
2: by far. I mean, when Chicago hired him, I said it was a great hire. I remember in 2013, 2014, I was telling all my all my club friends, hey, this team's going to be really good in 15, 16, 17. And, you know, they're like, well, why? And I go, well, I'm really big into the, the minor leagues and the scouting of it. And what I saw was the Cubs were building the best lineup in baseball through the draft, and their players were actually um, growing. Like they were going to be like Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Russell, um, uh, Baez, uh, you know, Contreras. I mean, they have just built an animal, just a monster, a complete monster, through the draft and through their international signings. Epstein has done a phenomenal job. They spent money in the right places other than maybe Jason Hayward. Uh, That's debatable. Um, So, I I mean, I I agree with you. I think if the Cubs Indians play in the World Series, it might be one of the highest-rated World Series ever. Because if you're a true baseball fan, why wouldn't you want to watch that? You have two teams trying to end uh, what they would consider curses. I mean, the city of Cleveland, their curse ended because their whole curse is the whole city. And then you have the Browns who don't count. Whereas with the Cubs, 1908. That was the last time they won a World Series, 1908. Last time they were in one was 1945. This is huge, and there's Cubs fans everywhere. I mean, just, just you keynote. I know a bunch of down in Florida. I know there's a, a lot in uh, out west. And, I mean, it's absolutely amazing in that Giants series how many Cubs fans were in the stands for that game. I'm going to love to see how many are there for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're a great crowd. I and mean, After that grand slam last night, they, the bunch of the writers said the press boxes were shaking. They were actually shaking. The guys had to, like, had to stop writing and just sat there and witnessed it. And that's what I love. It's going to be great crowds. The crowd in Cleveland is phenomenal as well. And people are going to want to watch it. This was the World Series matchup we all want. That at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: it was well, it was, it was Bartman in the crowd last night?
2: No, but Bartman has agreed to never essentially go back to Chicago because of what happened, and I don't blame him. That whole thing was, it was bad. That that was that was really bad of Cubs fans to do what they did to him. Um, there was a guy in the stands last night who almost pulled a quote-unquote Bartman. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was going for a foul ball on the uh, first base side, and the guy stuck his hands out and last minute pulled him back. With He had that whole look on his face like, oh, crap, what am I doing? Um, so, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. I know the Cubs keep calling Bartman and offering, hey, please come to the game. We're going to give you, you know, uh you were gonna give you seats uh in our um our owner's box and, and all that. They really want him to come back because they understand how badly he was treated and they're trying to uh to, to make it up to him.
0: Yeah. Well, guys, that's been a wrap. Uh it's gonna be a wrap. Great show tonight. We'll be back probably Wednesday night, Jonathan, Thursday night at the latest to go over these these awesome matchups we have in college and NFL next week. But uh, have a good weekend, man, and get ready for the presidential debate Wednesday night. You know we can't do one while the debate's going on, though, right? We, we can't compete with those numbers. So we may have to do one <laughs> Tuesday night or Thursday, Thursday night, one of the two.
2: Yeah, I kind of figured that. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, ha- had a blast tonight. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk later, buddy.
0: All right. Take care, Jonathan. For everybody, have a safe week, great week. We'll see you soon. All right, I'll talk.